Yo, Counterattack Podcast with me, Daps, back again. Um, yes, man, guys, love for all the, you know, shout outs and all the people watching the content. As always, keep liking, subscribing, sharing. Um, yeah, man, we're just going to keep keep giving it to you, man. Keep giving the content to you. I don't know what more to say on that because you, you lot already know how it goes. So today... Um, I've got on a retired player who actually retired quite young. Um, he was at Watford, was at Bolton, and um, he went to Bolton with quite a bit of pressure in him. And and whatever happened, happened throughout his career, which made him retire early through his own decision. So um, it's Marvin Sordell. I'm going to get him on now. And we're just going to have like a, just a good old chit chat, see what he's saying. Yes, Marv, what's going on, man? Hello, what's going on, you right? I'm good, man, I'm good. How you doing today, man? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. How you doing? I'm good, man, I'm good. Like, I've actually been looking forward to this one because um, I think that our, our listeners on this podcast would actually appreciate your story. And um, I was saying to you off, off, um, off air that I've been trying to get hold of you. So to actually get hold of you now, I'm, I'm actually really happy about it because... You've got um, you've got an, a story which, to be honest, isn't too dissimilar to a lot of a lot of players in regards yeah. to what in regards to what you go through. But no one really speaks about it, or no one really you know does anything about it out in the open. So for you to have your platform and and to use it like you do, I've just got to commend it, and I and I just want to get your your story out there. Um, no, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, man. But as always, like. Where did it where did it start for you? Because a lot of people know you and 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 they know they know the end story. But how how did you how, how did you get into football? How did you get into the professional game? Floor is yours. Yeah, so I grew up in Harrow, which is in Northwest London, and uh, just like everyone else, was playing playing at school, and then went to Sunday League. Um, was playing with one of my friends at school, and he had a Sunday League team that he played for, and I wanted to get into football, and I. Literally, since I was five years old, I knew that I wanted to be a professional football player. And mm. don't ask me why. Don't ask me how I knew that. I just, that was just always stuck in my head from as, as, as far back as I remember. That's, that was always my number one thing. And so I went down to Sunday League with my friend and actually at his team at the time, the, um, there was not many places left there were yeah. not many places left for, for players and so they just said you can be you can go in goal if you want so I thought you know what? I just want to play football I don't really care where I play I've never played for a team I, you know I just yeah, play in the yeah, yeah. I just, as long as you're playing yeah so I went in goal did really well and after the after that can I swear by the way hey, see what you like mate you're, you're good if the story works the story makes sense and is a lot more impactful with the swear word in, yeah, in yeah, yeah. <laughs> build. So after the training session, I'm standing there with my mom thinking, yeah, like you might be invited back or, you know, get a game or whatnot or, you know, train again. And he's gone to my mom. Yeah. We're not going to sign your son because he's shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm standing right there. So obviously I'm like, what, I was six, I think, or seven. And mm. I was like, devastated by like, tears and yeah I couldn't believe that you know this is what football was like but you know still I was still determined I wanted to play for a team and I went and played for another Sunday league team and still stayed in goal for a while stayed in goal till I was about 10 and I always wanted to play on pitch because the my first memory of football was um the first memory that I have that stands out from playing from from football in general from from watching sorry was Arsenal beating Newcastle in the FA Cup final. And that was 98. Yes. And I remember Nicholas and Elka scoring. And I just yes. remember thinking, that's that's what I want to do. I want to score mm. goals like Anelka, like Ian Wright. Um, and then obviously later, like Burkham, like Omri. These, these were my mm. idols growing up. And I was just like, I want to score goals. I don't want to play in goal. I want to score goals. Yeah. Uh, ended up being allowed on pitch. I remember one game, the, the manager was just like, you know what? been asking just <laughs> just bugging all this time what to, he wants. To, 
to play on pitch, you know, just go on pitch, he's going to do rubbish and he's going to go, not like it and he's going to go back and goal. Because mm. I was a good goalkeeper at the time. And went on pitch, my first game that I played up front, I scored a hat-trick. Okay. And they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then from then on, I played, I, I, played in, I played up front. So for the rest of the season, I was playing up front. I remember this vividly because at the beginning of the season, the goalkeeper gets a different kit to everybody else. Obviously, you take kit home, you wash it. Yeah. And the shorts and the socks are the same color, but the shorts are different because the shorts are goalkeeper shorts because they got yeah. the padding. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, for the rest of that season, I'm still playing on pitch with goalkeeper shorts. <laughs> padded shorts. And I was like, looking like, what's going on? Why is this guy wearing different shorts? Mm. Just, just a funny memory that I have. And so from then on, I played outfield and played up front and was just, just eager to get scouted and went to. I tried so many different routes and and you know the summer tournaments were obviously a massive thing. I, I don't know if they still are now, but an opportunity to get scouted and nothing was happening. Nothing was working. I went to open trials and nothing. I, I remember going to Watford in a community or something, and they were like, "Nah, not good enough." And I just kept getting knocked back and knocked back and knocked back, and just thought, you know, this this probably isn't going to happen. Like, I did, yeah. But, it didn't it didn't stop me from working hard you know i literally spent all of my spare time outside of school outside of training actual and actual games all of my time was spent playing football on my own most yeah. of the time yeah and that's practicing not just like i'm just going to go and smash free kicks it's like passing the ball against the wall practicing my left foot my right foot touches volleys half volleys everything just practicing throw the ball against the wall to control it see the thing is when you're saying these things, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, and you could just be there by yourself for hours just, just practicing. Yeah. Do you think they still do that now? I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't... I, I can't imagine. I, I don't really see kids playing football like I would have been playing football. But maybe that's because mm. where I live. I don't know. Yeah. I grew up on an estate where there's... I'm kicking a ball against signs and kicking yes. a ball against the walls. Yeah. And I don't live on... An estate now. I live on a road. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's funny because even, even when I I have this conversation all the time with people, like even when I do go by like estates and whatever, like even like car parks. We used to play like a car park, play football. Yes. You, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah true. You don't even see you don't even see people doing that anymore, man. So no. yeah, it's it's just a bit. But yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, a lot of kids play video games now. That's it. So it's hard. I mean, we'll, I guess we'll 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 see in the next ten. 15 years when these kids are professionals or not professionals we'll see what the standard is like because mm. you see this how high the standard is now yeah and that's because people were putting in the work before when mm, they were kids mm. yeah so i guess we'll you know time will tell yeah and no, i hear that i hear that but yeah i carried on you know doing that <laughs> like all the time and and you know like at the same time i was being told by literally everybody around me other than my mum my sister it was you know you need a plan b you know everyone wants to be a football player i was like no everybody says they want to be a football player but not everybody wants to be a football player Mm. you know for me i'm doing everything within my power everything to to get this and to make sure this dream becomes like a reality you know this isn't just like a pipeline dream this is my goal like i've set a goal and i'm going to reach it and eventually that you know that determination paid off as I got scouted for Chelsea when I was 13. So I went on trial there. And to be honest, I didn't get signed at the end. So I went on a six-week trial, I didn't get signed in the end. But to be honest, the learning experience was more beneficial than I mm-hmm. think than if I got signed. Because yeah. the knockback itself, and obviously seeing the standard of what it was and what it takes, if I got signed, maybe it would have been a bit too easy. Maybe I would have thought, okay, this is a bit easy now and I don't have to work as hard. Yeah, because I got knocked back and and it was, I I found it tough, but not as not not as tough as I had done in previous times. I thought, right, I've had a taste of it. I understand. It. I know what I need to do. I can do this again. I can get back. I can get scouted again. I know that I can. Yeah, I, I feel it. You know, and and just made me more determined. And the I went back to play for a different Sunday team at the time and played a year up because I thought I want to I want to get quicker stronger like i want to you know get used to being kicked i want to get used to be um playing with players who are probably maybe better or mm-hmm. at a level higher so I, I have to be better i have to improve 
Yeah. I wanted to push myself outside of my comfort zone. And you know, again, that paid off because later in that year, I got scouted by Fulham. So the same, same scout that took me to Chelsea um, took me to Fulham. And I went there and as an under 14 and within two weeks I was signed, mm. which obviously for me at the time, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. You know, I've been working now for, God knows, six, seven, eight years to get to this point. Climb the climb the ladder, climb the ladder, climb the ladder. Right, cool. Now I've stepped onto the ladder. I'm at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like that realization, like I'm signed. It's like, okay, now I'm signed now. That's the easy part. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, the, the reason why I, I wanted to, to, to get onto your journey as well is because there's something interesting. So we were in that clubhouse room the other day. Yeah. And then you mentioned the exit charts. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the exit child. So you're, you're at Fulham. So how, how did you get to the point of um, going through an exit child? And for those people that don't know, like quickly explain what exit child is. And, and when you played in that game, was your mentality, was, was your mentality one that was like, I know it's exit child, but I'm still going to, I'm, I'm going to get something from this. Or was it, was it like a thing of, I've got nothing else to do basically? No, exit child for me, I was so hungry. Honestly, yeah. I just, that I, I went to all because there were three exit trials, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, there was one in like Leeds, there was one somewhere in the Midlands, I can't remember. And then there was one at Bisham Abbey. And I went to all three. Yeah. Each time. Honestly, that was probably a period of time in my life, in my football career, was probably the most free I'd been because I was so hungry. I was so determined. Yeah. Like, it, there, there was nothing that was going to stop me mm. at that point in my life. And that environment is tough, real tough, you know, for kids getting kind of chucked to, to the side at that point. Cause I think people don't realize as well going as an under 16, under 15, 16, that's the toughest, that, that is one, probably the toughest period in football in, your, yeah. in any player that's on the like academy professional journey. That's the toughest period I would say, because mm. trying to balance that with school, GCSE is obviously a big thing. You know, and that's the, that is the point in your life where your direction is either going to go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Either going to probably go towards education or you're going towards full-time football. And when you step into that full-time football environment, that ladder, you are as good as professional. Yeah. Without having the title, you are as good as professional. Did you have and the mentality that you were a professional footballer though? I did not. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. And the exit trials for me was just like, I'm just going to, Bearing in mind, I'd come from, I'd been in, I'd done Sunday League for a long time. Mm. So my mentality was like, I'm just going to just go there and rip it up. Yeah. And that's it. I'm hungry. I'm going to, whatever's in, in my way, I'm tearing down. Yeah. And you think some, some, some of the boys there would have been at their club for seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. And you got to think, you're looking at them think, that's tough. You know, if you've been at your club for seven, eight years, and then all of a sudden you get released. Yeah. You, you've been expecting to get a scholarship and then you don't it's like your whole world is rocked mm. and you go to these exit trials where it's like you know you're out of your depth you know you don't know these kids you don't know all these other kids that are playing it's a very high pressured environment for a young for a young football player you know, did you ever no come player. across did you ever come across any players who were at these exit trials with you who later on down the line actually signed pro or, or that you recognize or anything not that I can remember no Imagine that, just just to show like the amount of people that might go to these exit trials and and, and get nothing from it. A couple hundred players as well. Yeah, Im- imagine that, man. But yeah, but you 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 managed to navigate your way around, and that is when you then went to Watford, right? Yeah, yeah, I signed a scholar at Watford. Yeah. Okay, so so let's let's talk about that feeling of when Watford come in for you, or you realize that you know you can get an offer at, um, at Watford. What's going through your mind when they're saying, okay, we want you? To be fair, at that time, from on the back of the exit trials, I had a lot of interest. You know, I was quite lucky in that. That mm. because I was playing as an as an attacker, if you score, people are gonna people see. Yeah. As a defender, like you, you know, anything may happen. As a midfielder, like you, the game might just kind of go past you. It's possible. You mm. know, and you might not have too much to do. You might not be in a great team. As an attacker, you can get on the ball. You can do something. You can be quite individualistic. So, mm. I scored a couple of goals in one of the games in particular and you know I, I was getting phone calls left right and center and at that time I had a, f- a fair few options so 
you know, when Watford came in, I was, I was happy. I wasn't like, you know, crazy buzzing. I was just like happy. Like this is, I feel like this is the right club, the right opportunity. So I was really pleased with that. Yeah. What, what, what was it about Watford that allowed you to find your feet? Because at, at Watford, you, you had, you had a good period there, which, which led to you actually, you know, in the end, getting, getting bought um, by, by Bolton. What was it about the environment at Watford that allowed you to succeed? I've made a lot of good friends there. I think that's the, the first and foremost was the environment with friends, um, the coaches. So the main reason I actually signed for Watford in the first place was as an under 16, so I went in to train the manager of the under 16s was Mark Warburton. He's obviously now a QB. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, this this coach is someone that I've not, I've not had a coach like this before who, who looks at football the way he does and puts on the sessions that he does. And I really enjoy it. So I think, this is what Watford are about, then, you know, sign me up. Like, I'm, I'm completely down for it. Mm. And that coaching environment of, you know, a lot of the academy coaches were great. And obviously the, the under 18 coach as well was great with me at the time. And then the feel around the club was very much family orientated and it was very much one of, of progression. So mm. youth, team, youth team players, that got pros, you're straight into the first team. There wasn't a reserve squad at that time. Yeah. When you were in the youth team, you were, you know, when you went from youth team, you went straight to the first team. If you're training on a regular basis, you could be trained with the youth team and training with the first team on every now and again as well. So you all felt so close to it. You know, you always felt really close to getting an opportunity as well. So it didn't ever feel like your good performances or something were just a waste almost just mm, me because mm. there was always opportunity even in the coaching staff that you know my my under 18 manager was Sean Dice yeah and obviously he went on to be the first team he was a reserve team manager then the first mm. team manager well what, what, what was he like Sean Dice yeah he was uh when he first came in we were like this guy's just so strict <laughs> <laughs> we used to we used to run so much <laughs> I there was no no tomorrow because he obviously he's massive into discipline and mm. you know, as you get older you kind of understand why he was the way he was as a youth team manager because mm. he's, as he always used to say I'm not here to to just help you be youth team players I'm here to prepare you for to go into the first team yeah. because when you leave when you progress from me that's what you're going to be doing you're going to be going into the first team so mm. I'm getting you ready to go and play in the first team I want yeah. you to go and play in the first team so as, as he as he carried on his philosophy so to say into first team football like when you see his team yeah. play yeah you look at it and think nah yeah this is Sean Dash yeah definitely I mean I think the team the, the way we used to play in the youth team we probably played more football than probably his his teams do now I would say yeah but he always used to say in the end of the day all that mattered to him was getting a result mm -hmm. that's the main thing so yeah if you some some games you're gonna to have to play long, some games you're gonna be able to play short. But yeah. in the end of the day, all that matters is you got a result. Yeah. And to be fair, that's why Burnley have been in the Premier League for so long. Yeah. Uh, uh, me personally, <laughs> I'm not gonna to lie to you, but I can't I can't stand them. I don't know. I, I, but he he gets the job done at the end of the day. And he gets the job done. That's that. Yeah. In the end of the day, that's his gets, job. <laughs> gets the job done. But I'm I'm one of them real football. Nah, purists. I'm a football purist as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I see <laughs> so man like on, like... Chris Wood, I mean Chris Chris Wood and them man just just heading up and I, I, it's just I just can't take it. But anyway, that's like, like you said, it works and it's a, and he gets the result. So yeah. back back to you at work for now because I'm I'm getting to like the, the the juicy bits of of all of this. So you go to Bolton now. Bolton come in for you. Uh -huh. At what at what point did you realize? Hold on, like these prem clubs are looking at me. Like, is that something that you that you're aware of as a player at all times, or was it? Did it come out of the blue for you? Um, so there actually before the transfer window that year, there were um, a couple of bits and bobs. I mean, it was more so from top end championship. So at the time, West Ham were one of the clubs that were interested in signing me, and they were they were I think they were I know they were in the top six definitely in the championship and. Mm. And I was told, like I was told at the time, that the deal was pretty much done. So yeah. I had in my head before the window opened that I was actually going to be going to West Ham. Okay. And then that didn't end up happening. You know, kind of fell through. And then as the window progressed, um, you know, that it, it was quite quiet. So I didn't know 
anything was going to happen. And then obviously on deadline day, first Cardiff came in, who were in the championship at the time. And then Bolton came in pretty much at the last minute. And, you know, for me, obviously playing in the Premier League is it's what every kid dreams of. You know, everyone that plays football, everyone that aspires to be a professional football player wants to play in the Premier League. Mm. And that opportunity, you know, you can't pass up really. Yeah. Did you have that like almost like a pursuit of happiness moment where, you know, the, the final scene in Pursuit of Happiness when he gets the job and then he's just so happy. And like, did you have that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, like I made it into the Premier League. Like, like the feeling that you must have felt, especially yes. coming from humble backgrounds. What, what's that like for you? So I didn't actually, I, the thing is, I, I didn't even sign actually officially till about two in the morning. So the, dead, <laughs> the deadline was at 11. Yeah. And How'd you manage that then? You sign, you sign like a an extension before the deadline, like oh, okay, before, yeah, half an hour before the deadline. Because the, the problem is, is there's so much paperwork, like an insane amount of paperwork. Mm. So I was at, I was actually, I actually signed for Bolton at the Watford Stadium. Yeah. Oh wow. And I was sat there, and they were faxing through all the paperwork and getting everything lodged with the Premier League and the Football League and all these contracts and bloody bloody blah. There was like an incredible amount of back and forth in faxes and. And, and phone conversations. And I'm just, I was just sat there and yeah. I'm, I'm like on my phone, like scrolling through Twitter, looking at Sky Sports News. Mm. People are messing me saying what's going on. And at this point I can't say anything because nothing's official. Yeah. And then by the time it was official, I was so tired and I just thought, wow. Like I, I kind of just had that moment. I'm sat there with, with my mom and with my agent. And I, just, I was just like, wow, mm. like, like how the fuck has this happened? Yeah. Like in, Literally in like, what, four, I was 20 when I signed. And I thought like in, you know, I've been in the first team at Watford for like a year and a half. Mm. And, you know, I'd, I'd signed, I'd been at Watford for, what, about four, four and a half years at the time, yeah. I think. And you just think that journey you go, you've gone on in that small period of time and you just, it's crazy, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones where look at your story. You actually signed signed with them, and with and there was a, a heavy expectation on you. Yeah. Like, like, did you were you aware of the expectation, or was it just kind of thing like I'm here, let me just do what I do? Do you get what I'm saying? Were you actually aware of what they were expecting from you? Not 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 even like the management yeah. on your team, but just even like the the fans and everything. I mean, not not really from the fans, but. From the management side of things, yeah, because you know the the first conversation I had with the manager when I met when I actually met him, so I don't I didn't actually meet him until the the day after I'd signed. You know, I spoke yeah. to him on the phone for two minutes when I <laughs> yeah. when I was actually signing, and then the day after I went up and actually met him. And one of the first things he said to me is, "We want you to do for this club what Daniel Sturridge just did." <laughs> and at that time, I was just like, "Whoa, I don't I don't even." I don't know what you're, what you're, what you're was, was he actually being serious though? Was it, was it like it was, a joke? No, thing? no, no, it wasn't a joke. He said, we want you to do what, we want you to be for us what Daniel Sturridge was and go on and, and then play for England and go and move on from here and go on to bigger and better things. That's mm. what he said to me. But did you, and, did you understand at, at the time exactly what it, what it took for that? Were you just like, yeah, yeah, I could do that because you're, you're young. No, and I, I didn't think that. I didn't even think that. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> kind of thing. Like, I was like, no, I've just seen these. I've just, I've just got here. Like, yeah, you know, I've, I've barely played for. I've, I haven't played. I haven't even played a hundred games of first team mm. football. Yeah, and this is your expectation of me now. Like, he was like, yeah, you know, he, he was expecting me to keep the club up. Yeah, but you know, the thing is, I, I, how many players are actually out here getting moves and everything, and and managers are asking things of them like like this when you're young and like it's, it's you don't know what conversations have been happened <laughs> you don't know what conversations are happening behind closed doors so these might be hustling players all the time yeah like it's it's like a lot of the time they're unrealistic expectations but then you've you still got to go out there do that and as was the case with Bolton you've gone out there done it and sometimes it weren't really working for you and everything so when you see these things happening on TV to, to, to people like you, like they don't actually know what's actually going on behind closed doors. Like, how are you coping with that pressure? Because it's easy to cope. It's easy to cope when you're banging 30 goals a season. Mm. That is easy to cope. But, but when it's not going your way, how are you coping with this? 
yeah, I was struggling. I mean, I think one of the things that people probably didn't realize is how young I was. You know, mm. when I moved to, when I signed for Bolton, I was 20. Like, and I literally six months before that, no, not even six months, but three, three months before that, I'd moved mm. out of home for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm pretty sure it was that, yeah. That, yeah, about three months before I'd moved out of home for the first time. Mm. Do you think a young kid who's, you know, just moved out of home, he's moving to the other end of the country on yeah. a moment's notice, he hasn't got any support network around him. Like it's, it's, he's not gonna hit, you're not gonna hit the ground running straight away. You know, I'm looking yeah. to, for places to live while I'm training. Like the, the, it's a big step up, you know, going mm. to play in a Premier League is a huge, like I don't think people realize it's not just about the, the football, it's about everything that comes with it. You know, yeah. being kind of thrust into the spotlight mm. in the Premier League where you're on match of the day and people are saying, every, every single touch is being crit- critiqued. Um, and everything you do in your private life is being watched. And for me as well, what was quite difficult at that time was I was living in a, in a hotel because, you know, when you, you get signed, you get put mm-hmm. up in a hotel and while I'm looking for places to live, I'm living in a hotel. The hotel at this time was inside the stadium. Oh, so you can't even get away. You're just literally... So there, there is no getting away, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, every now and again, I'd go to the retail park, which is around the corner from the stadium, because I thought, mm. I don't want to sit in my room having hotel food every yeah. single day. So I want to get out. So I go to I go to the retail park, I go to Nando's, and I walk in and people are just staring at me, taking pictures on the sly, and I just think, I, I really don't like this it's uncomfortable you know I'm a yeah. kid as well like I'm people I think people misinterpret age when somebody You've is made it. maybe in the limelight or yeah you know, under the spotlight or someone that you see on television they think oh you know they're, they're not young 21 yeah. 21, is, 21 is very young 21 it's, it's very very young but young like, like you said we get we get these things confused when we see them on tv in the limelight and everything and so someone might have made it there you know, in football, in the grand scheme of football, yeah. but in the grand scheme of life, they're actually still very young, having to having to grow yeah, up exactly. and, and having to and make mistakes in the public eye and everything. So I, I, I've, I fully, fully hear that. So at what point at Bolton was it a thing where you noticed, wait, wait, you, obviously you didn't always enjoy your time at Bolton, but was there a time where you noticed like, I'm actually not even enjoying football or was that later on down the line? It was probably, it, it was, it wasn't that season because I was still enjoying football. You know, I wasn't mm. playing. Um, I had an injury as well. So what, I mean, one of the things that actually made that move initially just as difficult was the fact that I played in a under 23s game about a week after I signed and I got ball hit me in the face and I, it scratched my retina and my eye. Mm. And I went to the hospital because I couldn't see. I couldn't like literally show where I couldn't see. I couldn't see uh, my right I, I comment, which I was. I couldn't mm-hmm. see for about a week. And straight away, I went to the next day, I went to the hospital and they seen it. So I said, I had a scratch dress and they said, I couldn't do any exercise for, I think, I can't remember how, maybe in a week, maybe in two weeks. I can't do any exercise at all. Mm-hmm. No gym, nothing, because the pressure, if I get any pressure, um, build up obviously because when you exercise you sweat and you know the pressure gets in in your head and eyes or whatever and i i had risk of going blind (laughs) so i was like great and so i had more time i had to i went back home and i had more time away from the club and obviously at that point fans are probably thinking you know what's going on why is this guy not playing you know why is he not involved what's going like you know he we've just signed this guy for xyz yeah, and he's just just non-existent mm. and then obviously I get back and that's still the case and I didn't get many opportunities but at the same time I was still enjoying training I was still enjoying playing football but those opportunities didn't come it's probably later down down the line of that same year but in the next season where yeah I was just just started to not really enjoy it yeah and what was there any way back from it at, at this point was it more of a thing where you were just disconnected from the game or was it just one of those things where the, the actual football wasn't going right? Like, what, what, what do you think it was? I mean, all of these things 
combined to make football not go right anyway. But mm, I wasn't mm, enjoying mm. I wasn't enjoying training. I wasn't enjoying where I was living. I wasn't enjoying like the the dressing room and, and the people that I was really spending time with and at home I was spending a lot of time on my own. And so I wasn't there was just so many things and so many factors that played a part in me just not enjoying life in general really at that mm. period of time because it just yeah it was just kind of like eating away really mm. but if, even while this is going on like you obviously still play yeah and, and yeah. <laughs> you obviously still play and whilst you're playing is it a thing of of like i've just still got to pay the bills let me just go or, or, or were you thinking it will come or is it just another thing of this is all i've ever wanted to do i'm now doing it so let me just keep doing it because it's, it's, it's all you knew yeah pretty much that and, and you, you kind of get into a situation where you just think i haven't really got a choice i just have to this is just what people expected me to just get up and go and you just mm. feel like you become a robot in that sense where it's just okay i'm gonna wake up and have a shower i'm gonna get ready i'm gonna go to football i'm gonna mm. come home i'm gonna sit there and then just one day rolls into two rolls into five rolls into two weeks four weeks do you know what i mean Mm, it's just literally just one, one continuous, yeah. just just where it kept going. And and I read up when I, when I read up and, and I looked at your story, I saw that you know you've not had issues with bullying, but you you've you had yeah you, you've had bullying within in your within your career. Like what sort of things like I mean, were happening? What sort of things were happening? Bullying's rife within football. People yeah. people will never label it as such because yeah, they nobody wants to say they were bullied. Mm-hmm because it makes them feel weak. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so people will say that, oh, no, it's just, you know, I had a difficult time or this, you know, the manager was being a dick or whatever. But just because you, you don't need to call it bullying, but the what, or you don't need to say you were bullied in a sense, mm. but what the characteristics and the, the, the what somebody has done to another play, to another person would be classed as bullying in any yeah. other given circumstance, industry or situation. Mm. And for me, you know, I had this with, with a manager at a time. And, you know, I was trained, I had times when I was trained on my own, when I was being made to stay for three hours after training, after everyone had gone home to three do sessions. Hours. On, yeah, yeah. Like I, was, I, I was getting in, at one point I was getting in about an hour earlier than everyone. And then leaving at like four o'clock. For what reason like, though? Like, what, what, was you, what was you saying to, for you to stay? Needs to be fit. Needs to be fit. <laughs> just, it's been easy. I mean, it was on one of the first days, and 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 then I was out of the squad for a few months because mm. that was the reason I'm going to be taken out of the squad so that I can get fitter. You know, and and that person may say, you know, this is just a way of trying to get you better, trying to improve you. But well, that's how me, they dress it up. That's how they dress it up, though. You get For me, I, I knew what it was. I knew what it yeah. was at the time. I know what it is now, looking back at it. And that's fine. You know, I've, I got through that. They moved on, whatever. Like, that's that's cool. I don't hold any grievances, you know. Obviously, as it later transpired, the club wanted to get get me out because they wanted my wages off the off the, off the bill, off the wage mm. bill. Yeah, and that's fine. If that's the situation, that's cool. Like, I, I don't mind. Like, I'm I'm an honest person. If you if you're honest with me. And you're like, this is the situation. We need you to go because of your your wages. Yeah, I'm not just gonna say no because I want to mm. play football. That's it. In the end of the day, all I cared about was playing football. Mm. And so that was it. And, and and with 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 like those times, and when you're going through certain things like that, again, if you're if you're also not performing in like on the pitch, those things will happen very easily. And then. And then that's when you start getting to the deeper things of why it's happening. And then, you know, there's always the racial aspect of it. There's always like the bit where people are just pricks and everything. But you as a player at that time, how hard is it for you to actually talk out about bullying and racism? <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Impossible. Mm -hmm. You cannot say a single word because who are you, who are you speaking to? In, mm. in, in a working environment, if, you're, if your boss is the person that is being... A bully being racist, maybe if, if that's the, the situation, you go and speak to HR, mm -hmm. or you go your your boss almost always has a boss. Yeah, 
in football, who do you go to? There is no HR. HR does not exist. Yeah. You can go to the boss, you can go to the physio who's going to tell the boss, you can go to coach who's going to tell the, tell boss. the boss. Yeah. If the boss is the problem, that's it. Mm. <laughs> you, got, you just got to find a way to do, live with the problem. You yeah, can't but, fix the problem. And then that, all, all that does is just, it just creates an environment of like one that's where you're just unhappy and one where you're actually helpless. And I don't know if that's how you felt, but you know, yeah. there's no, there's no way you can, there's no way you can play football like that. So how, how long after experiencing these things was it before you were just like, I'm not doing this anymore. And was there an actual day or time that you remember where you said, I'm not doing this no more. I retire. I'm going to stick to my decision. And that is it. Or was it a gradual thing where you just, you just coming when and going? When I got to retiring? Yeah. To be honest, I've been thinking about it for a long time. That was probably like the, the earliest point. And I thought, I don't know how long we're going to want to do this. Mm. Because if this is what it's about. I don't know if I want to be involved in it. And you know, luckily, as it kind of went down, I, got, I, I had better experiences with different clubs, different managers, different being mm. in different dress rooms with different players. And I enjoyed it a lot more and, yeah. you know, found out that it wasn't just football. It was just that person, that environment or yeah. you know, that specific set of circumstances. And I probably got to about 25 was the first point I thought there's not, there's not much longer. I generally thought there's not much longer because this is, this is like, I, I cannot be, contained in this box for this long i'm looking around and seeing everybody just kind of you know smile and clap and think this is great and i'm thinking this is draining for me to be suppressed in the way i am the way i mm. think the way i act it, it, it was just like why why am i doing this to myself yeah you know and it probably got to just before i retired i was on loan at northampton and so but just and before I went, when I actually went on loan to Northampton, I was injured and yeah. I'd been in three months and st- still to this day, I have, I still carry some of that injury because it wasn't sorted because, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, the club I was at at the time, you know, basically thought I was faking this injury because I'd had, I had, so I had, ended up having five scans on my knee mm-hmm. and every single scan showed something different. Yeah except that I had a private scan also, which showed, and bearing bearing in mind at this point, every single day I was in excruciating pain. Mm -hmm. I mean, to the extent where if I'd knelt down to change my daughter's nappy, like, you know, I I couldn't stay there for more than three seconds. If that, without being in too much pain, I'd have to sit down, stretch my legs out and sit down and get get down and get up in a specific way for Mm -hmm. it to not hurt too much. And... So at this point, I'm doing research every day. Literally, all my waking hours, I'm doing research into what this this problem could be with my knee. Mm. And I got to a situation where reading articles, reading people's experiences, countless amounts. And as it transpired, this I, I thought I had a specific thing. And so I thought, you know what? These guys are not trying to help me. They're basically telling me I'm faking it. So I went and got my own private scan. Yeah. Private scan came back. It was exactly the same thing that I thought that it was. That from all my research that I'd conducted, so I thought it was. I told the club I got a private scan. This is what it is. Showed them the scan, and they fined me. <laughs> For what? Because because I went and got a scan outside, outside without permission. That's ridiculous. Like, Did they fix the issue though? Instead of them to just fix the issue, and, and so they they find me and they say, yeah, you, you can't be doing that. And I said, well this is my life, this is my livelihood, yeah. this is my career. And all I want is to not be in pain. <clears throat> That's all I want is yeah. to not be in pain. And you're not, you're not helping me. So I'm trying to help myself and you're finding me. And yeah. I just thought, well, this is, this is what the football industry is. This is what the world of football mm. is. And if I go and say this publicly, that's a problem, ruins my career. If I say something to you, problem, ruins my career. And so I have to just sit here and be in pain physically mm so that I don't ruin my career. And then at the same time, I'm ruining my career because I'm injured. Yeah, and, 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 and this, is, this is a thing that like, I remember after I broke my leg now, I broke tib and fib. So mm-hmm. after I broke that, when I, when I was coming back, 
when I made the decision to not even chase that pro lifestyle and everything anymore, people were wondering like, why? And I remember showing someone an, an offer I had for, like abroad uh. in, um, in Belgium at the time. And they were like, oh my gosh, go and take that. And I was like, I don't want to. Like, I, I, I really don't want to, do you get what I'm saying? And, and, uh. and, and when, I, when I was explaining to them, I was saying, you know, when you chase the dream for so long, uh. you chase the dream and you, and then it's like, yes, I'm in it. But then once you're in it, it's not cracked up. It's not cracked yeah. out to be what you thought it would be. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, and, and I was just like you, I was just kind of tired, but at, at the same time, I was almost, I was like, I was at 30 at the time, I think. About 30? Yeah, about 30 at the time. So I'm 33 now. So yeah. I was 30 now. And and then I started to think about like, no, life after football. Because you know, when you're young, you just think all there is to life is just football. Yeah. And then you get a bit older and you're like, <clears throat> actually, no, that, that ain't all there is. And then you start thinking about, you know, the fact that for you to get paid what you're worth, you're probably not going to get it anymore for whatever reason. But then the other guy whose face probably fits a bit more will get it. Do you know what I'm saying? And yeah. and you've got these clubs on your CV is you're gonna to have to work twice as hard, but then another person who's got half your CV will walk into, it's just like, it, I, I say this to, to say like the whole, the ugly side of football. And you when you get in there, you realize it is just a business, it's very cutthroat. And the same loyalty you as a player might show to the clubs, it never gets shown back to you. No. Do you get what I'm saying? So like, and for you, you you had um, or you got you got how many kids you got now? Two now. Two. Yeah. Okay, so now obviously you have children, and the decision ain't just a, it can't just be a selfish decision anymore. Do you get what I'm saying? So how much did how much did your your kids come into your thinking when it comes to retiring or deciding how much you want to take from football? Massively, and you know, as I said, around that time, like about six months before I ended up retiring. As I said, I was injured. And when I was injured, my wife was actually pregnant. She was eight months pregnant, mm -hmm. seven, seven, eight months pregnant. Yeah. And at the time she was down in London with her parents, obviously when our, our, our son was gonna be born in London mm -hmm. and we were in the Midlands at the time. Like obviously yeah. I, was at, I was at Burton at the time. And, and, and so, I was away from her and my daughter as well. And so that was tough. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm training every day and thinking, mm. why am I, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And then I, and then I got injured. I had a lot more time off. So I, was, I had a lot more time with, with family. I had a lot more time actually going back down into London as well and seeing a lot of friends. And I'd, I'd been away from home at that point for about eight years. I'd been yeah. living away from home. And it was like the first time for an extended period, I could see a lot of friends. I could see a family more than just one day, two days and, yeah. and off. Mm. And, and then I started doing a lot of other things. And I thought, actually, this is, this is what I want to do. Do mm. you know what I mean? I, I want, I, there's no point in me being unhappy doing something. Like I'm, I've been, I've had my career. Like I'm, I've, at that point, I was like, you know what? What, what am I losing? Because yeah everything I've wanted to gain in my career, I've gained. I've, yeah. I've, I've had an amazing career that if someone told me when I was six, this is what you're going to achieve, I would have just laughed because mm -hmm. I would have said, there's, there's no way. Like, I just want to play. I just want to do all right. I just want to have a couple games, yeah. be, be pro, do you know what I mean? And I achieved what I wanted to achieve. And I was looking at family thinking, what is the point of all of this? Putting up with, why am I going to put up with this stress and be unhappy? If I don't even get to spend that much time with my daughter, with my wife, with my, them, with my son, with my friends, mm -hmm. with my mom, my sister, what's the point? Because that's the reason. That's the reason you put up with the the hardship mm. because you get that reward at the end. But I was just, I didn't feel like there was enough give and take. It was just a lot of take, take and I wasn't take, getting take. enough. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I wasn't getting that 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 outlet in 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 enjoyment and I'm coming home and I'm not happy. And when I'm, when I am around the family or friends or whatever, and I'm not happy, that rubs off on them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I fully, fully understand that. And that must just take its toll on like mentally, like your mental health, like must have suffered. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, that's something I've spoken about a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and it's something that probably almost every football player goes through and they, they may not even realise it or label it as, you know, mental health. Mental health. Oh, you know, I was just, I was just struggling a bit or it was the tough period of time or tough period in my career and they don't realise like how, how we learn to cope with things in football is to, to normally just shut them off and just close them away and just push them away, run from them or just get our head down and just work, work, work. Mm. And we don't really look at these things and think, until you come out of football mm. and you go into the normal world, the, <laughs> you, you look back and think, you think that wasn't right. Yeah. That, that person shouldn't have said that. That person mm-hmm. shouldn't have acted like that. I shouldn't have just let the person speak to me like that. You just look at all these situations, all these things that happen, and you think, oh, that was a dark time. Mm. And you look at these things and think, nah, these were not normal things. When you're in a mm. football environment, you just think, oh, it's just how it is. When someone's screaming at you, calling you every swear word under the sun, shouting in your face, throwing things at you, you think, oh, that's just, it's just football. Yeah. That's, that's not, that's not life. That's not how yeah. life should be. If that happened in your office, in your normal nine to five office job, someone's It's a big problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big problem. And it's one that, I know there's a lot of talk now regarding mental health, but me personally, I still don't think, I, I, it's not that I don't think it's enough, but it's, it's very hard to just, I mean, it's very easy to say we need to deal with mental health in football without actually changing the culture in the actual clubs, at the actual clubs. Exactly. Exactly. Do you get what I'm saying? Because we know that when footballers come out of the game, they might struggle mentally. Mm. We know that there needs to be, you know, a safe space for them to come out and say stuff. But when you're actually at these clubs in the changing rooms, it's very hard to get that message of, of mental health across when, mm. like you said, you someone might just be giving you a hard time and whatnot. Like, so in that room we were in the other day, we had that young player from Colchester, I think he was. Yeah. And um, and he spoke about what he's been going through. Mm. Like, there's no, there's no way you can come out and say, like, kick it out and we'll be like, okay, you can come and talk to us, but they're not in the game. Do you get what I'm mm. saying? And and that's why I, I, I also feel that it's up to the older pros or the people that have been there, done it, to actually, you know, get the message across because they've been there, done that. When, yeah. when when Noob spoke to the when when Noob spoke to the guy in that room and when you spoke to him, I could feel that he was taking it on. And it's uh. very easy to take things on when it's coming from people that have been there. Uh. Do you get what I'm saying? So I don't know how, how you feel about that, but is that something that you're really keen on pushing in regards to mental health? Like just yeah, using massive. your voice to 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 make a difference. I don't think people realize how many things impact your mental health and how many things come into play when it comes to mental health. I think people just look at look at it and like, oh, you're depressed. Like that's what mental health is, you're just depressed. Yeah. It's like there, there, there are so many different levels to it. And it's something that is, everybody has mental health the same way yeah. everybody has physical health. It's mm-hmm. just, where is it? Where's it at? Where's it at on that scale? Because it might be amazing and you've got amazing mental health and everything's going great in your life. You know who you are deep down. Yeah. Or it might be the complete opposite and everything around you is just so out of control and, and you're struggling with your identity as well as the fact that all of these things going around are just not helping you, not helping the situation. Yeah. And I think, you, and you don't have to be depressed necessarily to have poor mental health. Yes. But you can, have, you can, you can struggle from poor mental health. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. same way you can, you can struggle from poor physical health, but you ain't, you're not going to be obese. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you yeah. still have poor physical health. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? So I don't think people really take into consideration how detailed and and how many nuances there are when it comes to mental health. And that's something that I'm massively keen on, you know, as, as you know, and I've spoken about this a lot and, you know, very publicly is that I think it's, it's something that we need to break down in terms of stigma mm-hmm. and just normalize having conversations about just being honest. Like I said, mm-hmm. like people, people don't want to say things in fear of what other people are going to say. And obviously mm-hmm. that comes with a certain, sometimes age, sometimes life experience. When you get to a point where you're like, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about me as long as these people know that I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm being, I'm being truthful to myself. If the people around me love me and, and love me for who I am, yeah, what, what other what these other strangers 
perceiving me, that's up to them. Like there's mm -hmm. no skin off my nose. I'm I'm being myself. Yeah. And it's when you get to that point where you probably are able to take control of your mental health in that sense and and control of how that how that is affected. You know, mm -hmm. you can still be affected in in you can still be affected by things, but it's more so in your control when you're in control of you know your own destiny you, you really feel that you understand who you are and you're honest with that mm -hmm. how hard is it to because obviously you have your platform which is which is a, a good way to get your voice out but how hard is it to actually get into the football world and actually you know get things put in place when you're having to deal with because it's not just about showing up to a club and be like let me talk to your players yeah like you've like you've got to get you know there's there's protocols and policies and and whatever you've got to deal with pfas you've got to deal with kick it out and like how dif how difficult is it to actually get something done something that is very tokenism it's very difficult because i don't know how much the appetite there is for football to change in regards to mental health and regards to a lot of things mm -hmm. and it isn't just about having a conversation or doing one thing it's about changing the landscape of an entire industry yeah you know mental health as well is is something that is affected by as i said there are so many nuances that that come into play and mental health is affected by the club the structures within the club coaches managers you know physios even fans come into play media comes into play social media comes into play family yeah. friends come into play yeah and when it comes to football all of those things have to change for, for us to have uh, an environment which is just about playing football. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it feels like that's, if it feels like one is growing and the other is also growing, but for football as an industry, it's just getting so big mm -hmm. and the discussions around mental health is, is growing as well. But for all we're going to end up doing is just being in the same place because both yeah. are growing at the same rate. Mm -hmm. And for football to for mental health to be really taken seriously it needs to grow quicker or it needs to be stronger than the growth of what football is and, and kind of that net all of the negative connotations around the football industry when it comes to you know performances and and fans media players even coaches managers mm. and the conversation the language that we use all of these things are have massive effects but mm -hmm. as i said like that's that's changing the whole landscape of the entire industry and, 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 like said, and like I said, how much do they actually really want to do that? Exactly. Because as long as Tough. as long as football is bringing in the money it brings in and and whatever, like the people at the top are doing their job. Yep. So the actual welfare of the people within that, you know, how much how much of it do they actually want to change and influence? Yeah. Remains it's like any other industry. Yeah. So. Um, no, um, thank you for that. But since, since you've been out of um, football, has it been for you? Amazing, to be honest. Um, you know, the, when I retired, I didn't really know how things were going to go. You know, mm -hmm. I, it, it's, it's a bit daunting because you don't get any advice, you don't get any support. Nobody really even has time for you to have conversations. So, not even the uh, PFA? No. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah I mean you, you just kind of you're just left to your own devices and you just got to figure it out and you know I'm quite lucky that I'm a very proactive person and I don't really mind setbacks probably because I'm just so used to having setbacks and I'm used to getting knocked back so if it takes me 50 conversations to get one step forward then I'm going to have 50 yeah, conversations I get knocked back 49 times but still I move one place forward I don't yeah. see knockbacks as a problem do you know what I mean and, and as I said, I'm quite fortunate. That's kind of been ingrained in me over time. And, you know, that's allowed me to, to do so many other things because I don't see, I don't worry or see failure. Yeah. It just isn't something that, that, you know, that compute that I compute with and or kind of registers with me in the sense that I, I think, right, there's this opportunity to have this conversation, to ask this person this question. Mm -hmm. I want to do this. I'm going to speak to that person. That's mm -hmm. all I think. All I think is, oh, what if they say, what if, what if that happens? Then what? Then yeah. I'm going to do that. Then I'm going to do that. Then I'm going to do that. Yeah. It doesn't even cross my mind what happens if they say no. Mm -hmm. Not at all. Because yeah. if they say no, I think, right, cool. I still want to do that. How else do I do it? Yeah. 
and then I go to the next person. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it's been exciting because most of the time when pe- when I have these conversations, people are like, "Yeah, oh, thanks for reaching out." I wasn't, I you know, I've, I've I've been seeing and hearing about stuff that you've been doing. It's interesting. It'd be great. Let's do something together. Yeah. And I'm like, cool. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And yet, if I didn't reach out to them, that wouldn't have happened. They would. Mm-hmm. They might have heard of me, but my yeah. name would have just passed by. Yeah. And you know, it's it's it's. It's very exciting to me because I think particularly with my production company, we've made crazy progress in, you know, I've been retired for a year and a half and we're talking about doing, you know, we've done an advert for the FA. We co-produced a mini series of Yahoo. We're about yeah, to listen, do- we need We need to talk about this production. I've got some, anyway, we, we, <laughs> we need to talk. We need yeah. to talk, mate. Right, we're, we're, we're pitching on some, some major, major things now and like, I'm kind of navigating a world that I didn't even know it really existed before and, and having these conversations with like head of content and, and all these major platforms and broadcasters and brands. And it's exciting to be honest, because I don't see, I think one thing that is that differs so much from my day to day as a football player is that every day is completely different. Every day can just bring something, something completely new. And that's one of the reasons why I like LinkedIn. Because oh yeah, I see someone's name. You know, you know, you never know who's going to add you one day. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You might write something in a post, and you know, loads of people engage with it, and you've got connection requests. You see yeah. a connection request, Coca Cola, and you're like, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> like today could be a good day. Do you know what I mean? Like all of these different brands, whoever, and and every day is just so exciting. Do you think it's easier though, like making those connections because you were a footballer? Of course, like without a shadow of a doubt. Like if I wasn't a football player, like who who am I? <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Even even the fact that I was a football player, I'm mm. still I'm not. I wasn't a like I had a relatively good career, but I'm not yeah. like Wayne Rooney. Yeah, like yeah. people, it's not like I want to do this, so I'm just gonna do it. Yeah, I still got, I still got work at it, but mm-hmm. it massively helps. It gives me straight away. It gives me a platform. It gives me authority to speak in a in a way in a place that people. Are interesting people are so interested in the football and the football yeah. industry and yeah. that was my life so i know that i know the industry inside out that's pretty much all i know mm-hmm. and i'm going into these conversations speaking to these people who are been doing their job for 10 15 20 years specialists and and complete experts and i'm saying actually that's not how that works yeah because i know from from this perspective in in the football industry this is this is how it works in football because you know, I'm, I can only speak from my perspective of what I know. And now it, it, a lot of these conversations feel like a level playing field because yeah. they want to tap into an industry that I know. And obviously I want to work with them in an industry that they know. Mm-hmm. So they're bringing their expertise and I'm bringing my expertise. Yeah. That's one thing that football players probably in a whole don't realize that they have. You know, you forget that you've got 10 years, 15 years experience in an industry. Doesn't matter what the industry is, doesn't matter what role you're in. If you understand that industry inside out, that is invaluable. Yeah. Bearing in mind, football is one of the biggest industries in the world. And so there's plenty of roles for you. you yeah. Know, I, I, yeah. Someone the other day, I was like, you know, why is it that someone at, say, for example, Coca Cola gets paid seven figures to figure out a problem that a football player could probably figure out in two minutes? Yeah. You know, when it comes to advertising, when it comes to understanding fans, understanding players, understanding, you know, even sponsoring in a game. Every player's probably watched a thousand games in their career. They'll know what, what they'll know who watches what at what time. Yeah. When do people yeah. switch off from the from TV on adverts at this time? Because they've watched it a thousand times. When do but people you know talk, what? what do people look at? But you know what? A lot of players don't even know that these options are available to them. They don't. They don't. Yeah. So they they come out of football and suddenly they're looking left and looking right, trying to figure out what what like what's what. I went I went to university and I and I got um an accounting degree. Mm. So when I came when I finished playing football, I went to do accounting. Yeah, like that's easy for me. But a lot of players might not have that option, so and they don't know no. what to do. So that's definitely something that you should maybe spread more awareness. Yeah, I mean, I started a platform called Transition FC. And that's something that I'm developing the website and developing an app yeah. as basically a, a learning and connection 
and networking platform to help players basically just go from, I have no idea what I want to do to this is my path and I'm going to go down this path and I know exactly what I'm going to do to get there. Yeah. You know, I think that's the, the biggest thing is that there's a lot of things out there at the moment for players that can say that have an idea of what they want to do. And it's like, right, cool. You get this degree, then you do that. But what most players have no idea what they want to do or what they can do. At all. Yeah. None at all. But um, no, thank you very much for this, man, Marv, man. And no worries at all. It's, it's been, it's been a good, it's been a good chat. I'm definitely going to catch up with you um, regarding yeah. other things, but guys at home, hope you like this again. Just, you know what we do, normal conversation, man. And um, yeah, feel free to get in touch with Marv if you do, you know, feel free to get in touch with me as always. Follow up the, all the Instas, Twitters and all of that. I'm going to put all of Marvin's, um, what do you call it? Handles in the bio. So as always, like, subscribe, share, all of that good stuff. And we are out. Nice one. Wait, 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 wait. wait.